Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our monthly storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. For our show in May, we told tales of courage, with the word of the night being transformations. I have to warn you, though, we had a few audio issues this month, but the stories are still truly worth the listen, so in this recording, April Shannon Threat tells a story about depression and survival. Uh, I started out as a kid, like everybody did, but uh, <laughs> this is not my forte here. Um, I started out as what I thought was a normal childhood, um, but I was always kind of depressed. I didn't know that's what it was called. Um, as, a, as a really young kid, I knew that I had low self-esteem. I knew that I really didn't think much about myself, but I didn't know that there was a term for it. And in my family, we didn't really talk about things like that. Uh, you didn't mention it, you know, and by the time I was a teenager, like, you know, every teenage girl thinks she's fat, so it's not that big of a, a, a deal. Um, and I sort of start, started slipping into this depression. Um, my junior year in high school, I sat in geometry class one day, and I thought I was just bored. Uh, I couldn't really explain my thoughts and my feelings. I wasn't really in touch with them, I guess. And uh, I had a pair of those uh, plastic scissors, like the ones that you give to kindergartners. I don't know why I had them in uh, high school geometry class, but I did. (laughs) And I sat there at my desk, and for the entire 45-minute class, I sliced my wrist. Um, I can actually attest to the fact that they are very safe scissors. (laughs) Uh, Because all I ended up with was a big welt that went right across my wrist. And uh, I didn't know why I did it at the time. Um, a friend of mine saw me in the cafeteria that day, and I had pulled my watch, my little tiny watch, over it. And she's like, oh, my God, April, what did you do? And I was like, I don't know. I just cut my wrist in class. Why? <laughs> like, that's, you know, not abnormal, I guess. Um, and she took me to the guidance counselor, talked to her for a while, and she called my mom. And uh, I don't know what that conversation was. I got home from school that day. My mom said, April, I got a call from your guidance counselor. She told me what you did in class. Everybody thinks about it. Don't do that. It's stupid. And that was it. That was the don't kill yourself talk, Um, which I wasn't trying to kill myself. But she didn't really know how to handle it. And uh, I said, okay. And that was was what we said about it. Um, So I kind of went through. And, uh, you know, I I was a pretty good student when I felt like it. Um, when I felt like going to class, a lot of times I didn't go to class. I stayed home and I went to bed or didn't get out of bed and, uh, barely graduated because I kind of got to a point where I was like, eh, I don't want a degree. I don't need a degree to tell me I'm smart. I know I'm smart. Turns out the world says you need a degree. Uh, so I did graduate by like two points. Um, but I, uh, I, I went into college. I went to ODU and, uh, dropped out my second semester. I was working full-time. I was going to school full-time, again, when I felt like going to class, which wasn't very often. And um, I had moved in with my boyfriend, so I was 18, and just a whole lot of changes all at once. Um, Not not all of them were bad. Uh, And then I started to do okay. I had some pretty good jobs. I worked at Rainforest Cafe. I was training birds, which, you know, if you know me, birds, hey. Uh, (laughs) 
So that was like my dream job. And I worked in a, in a bird show at the zoo and it was fantastic. And for a while I kind of felt like this is, this is good. Life is good. And um, the show at the zoo ended and I ended up working as an office manager at a storage compound uh, out in Suffolk. So I saw my manager, like the boss, maybe once every three months. Um, some days I didn't see anybody and my depression just kind of came in and brought me down and um, I was bored. I felt like I was getting stupider. Uh, some days I would go in and I would rollerblade around my desk to see how many times it took to make a mile. Um, <laughs> I don't remember that number, which is probably good. Uh, some days I would go in and I would get there and I would flip the sign to closed and I would turn off the light and lock the door and go to sleep on the floor. And um, because I didn't see my manager, nobody uh, caught me for a while doing that. And the manager from the other unit came out one day, and there was a stack of contracts up to about here that I had filled out for, you know, new clients and whatnot, and um, had not filed. And she's like, April, what the hell? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't really want to do this, so you can just fucking fire me. Um, And she didn't fire me, but she said, you get your ass in there, and you organize and do what you got to do. So I did. um, I quit after that, which I probably would have gotten fired had I not quit, because uh, I really hadn't worked in a few months. <laughs> and I decided to go back to ODU. So at this point, I was 23 years old. I moved into the dorms. Um, so I had an 18- and a 19-year-old roommate. And I was like, I'm a little out of place here. Um, and my depression came back, again, really, really hard. And I remember one day that uh, I went home to my mom's house. And I got out my gun and I sat on the floor, and I had it loaded, and I sat there, and I thought, I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, and at some point, I started crying. And for me, I, I believe in God. I've always believed in God. And I had always been told that you went to hell if you killed yourself. I've never actually read it. I don't know where that comes from. Um, but that's what kept me going that day, because I figured, you know what? Shitty as this is, hell's got to be worse. Uh, so I cried and it sounds like a really low point and it was, but it wasn't the lowest. Um, the hardest thing I think is when you're at that point, you're still feeling something. You're feeling this, this sadness and this, this, um, low that you didn't think was possible, but you're feeling this pain and there's a point that's lower than that. And I got there. And that was the point where I couldn't do anything but breathe. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I read Hamlet. And uh, Ophelia in Hamlet, she, she trips and she falls into the water and she drowns. And, uh, you know, as a teenager, when I read it, I was like, wait, did she kill herself? Did she, like, hit her head when she, you know, fell? Did she hit a rock? Like, what happened? And they're like, no, she just didn't pull herself up. She just didn't save herself. And I got to a point where I understood that what it was like to not pull yourself up. And I felt like, you know, if I get hit by a car walking down the street, just going to let it hit me. Um, or, you know, if, hey, there's, there's a drive-by outside my house, I'm not going to run inside. There was occasionally drive-bys outside my house, so that wasn't like that far, <laughs> far-fetched of a thought. Um, and I was trying to go to school, and I was failing my classes again, and I finally realized this, this is not okay. It's not okay to feel like this, and I don't like feeling like this. 
And I walked into the ODU Counseling Services, and that's exactly what I said. Uh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. And I don't really care what happens to me. But that's not an okay thing. So they pulled me into their office, and they gave me all kinds of questionnaires, and they made me fill out all kinds of paperwork and um, talked to two counselors. And they said, you know, we really have, like, this thing. We can see you for 10 sessions, and your problem is bigger than 10 sessions. Um, So they referred me to EVMS, and uh, I saw a doctor there took a, if you ever need to look it up, Beck's Depression Inventory. It's 21 questions. basically says, how have you felt in the last two weeks? And it goes from 0 to 63, I think. And anything above, like a 23, is, is uh, severe depression. And I scored a 61. Um, and I remember the doctor saying, so you pretty much feel like shit all the time, don't you? I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, that's, that's exactly how I feel. So they started me on medicine. Um, and the medicine is a little terrifying, it's not an exact science. It's not like, oh, I have a, you know, a virus. Or, well, I guess that's a bad example because you can't take medicine for viruses. Oh, I have, like, athlete's foot. I'm going to go get a spray. My, my athlete's foot is gone. Also a weird example. But um, <laughs> it's a lot of trial and error. And over the years, I've tried different medicines, some which had really bad side effects. Uh, I tried one that I couldn't control my bladder. And uh, <laughs> that was very embarrassing. I did that for about two weeks. And I was like, nope, not taking that one anymore. Um, had one that uh, actually gave me um, Alzheimer's-like effects, and I was at work one day, and I was like, I can't count your change back to you. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Um, and it was terrifying, and the customer thought I was absolutely crazy, which uh, I guess I was. But um, <laughs> I called my doctor, and I drove to his office, and I go, I don't know how I got here. He's like, you're not driving home. Um, so the, walking into ODU was that very first step, and it was terrifying, and I did, uh, I, I did pretty good, and then I started to feel better. That's what happens when you take the medicine. You feel better. And uh, after a while, I said, you know, I'm, I'm good. I think I dropped out of school again. This was the second time I dropped out of school. And um, I stopped taking my medicine. And I did okay. I had learned a lot of coping skills. I kind of got through things. And then I started to slip a little bit. And in 2007, I was in a car accident. Um, a pretty severe one, and I had pretty severe head trauma, and my depression came back and kicked my ass, uh, and it was terrifying. It was something I had never experienced before. Um, I started cutting, like for real cutting, not with plastic scissors, <laughs> and uh, that was a completely different, um, I, I couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain it to myself. I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, I started to have a lot more suicidal thoughts, and I emailed my doctor from ODU, or from EVMS, and I said, this is how I'm feeling. I need help. Not okay. And he emailed me back and said, so-and-so is going to call you from the office in a few minutes. And a couple minutes later, my phone rang, and she said, we're getting you in here. I said, I don't have insurance. I can't pay for this. Um, And I went in there, and I saw a doctor. They have a, a really great resident program, so I didn't have to pay. And I got my medicine. And I got to see a doctor, and I got counseling services. Um, he tried to give me homework all the time. And I'm like, you know, I dropped out of college twice, and there's a reason uh, for that. So the homework thing was not really a good, a good therapy for me. But um, I went on medicine, and I have had to switch doctors a few times for different reasons since then. Um, you know, I've gone through a lot of changes in my life. I've, in the last five years, lost both my parents and my stepdad. Um, But I've had a lot of good things happen, too. I have an incredible husband who's been very, very supportive. 
he knows he knows this. Actually, one of the times that I was hospitalized, he showed up to the hospital. Uh, we weren't together. He actually was there with his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> which is a fun story to think about now, I guess, for us. Maybe not for her. But, um, <laughs> but the, he, he showed up there. And I remember that that time when I was in the hospital, I had the most um, unlikely people come up there. He came up there with her. They brought me balloons and uh, coloring books and underwear. Um, the underwear was actually the thing that I really, really appreciated because you had to wear hospital scrubs the whole time, and you don't think about that. Uh, they wouldn't let me have the balloons, and the coloring books kind of kept the time to, to pass. Um, some other people, I was in Bat Boy the Musical at the time, and uh, a couple people from the show came out there. My dad came every single day and sat there with me. Some days he cried. Some days he just sat there and said, I don't know what I'm supposed to say, but I know I'm supposed to be here. Um, most of the time he tried to sneak me candy, and uh, I'm really like, I can't do anything wrong. I can't break the rules. And it was very awkward that he's trying to give me like Tootsie Rolls and stuff. Um, I'm like, he's, he's like, just flush it down the toilet. You flush the wrapper. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, Dad. Um, so for me, this is something that I've had to um, accept that officially I have, um, I'm, have bipolar 2 as my diagnosis. So it's very severe clinical depression with episodes of hypomania which means I go out and I have a lot of sex or I spend a lot of money. That's kind of what that comes down to. Um, and uh, I know that it's something that I'm never going to be over. Uh, that's a hard thing to accept. I have to take pills for that. And some days I get up and I take my medicine and I go, I don't want to take these fucking pills anymore. And I don't want to have to take these fucking pills anymore. And my doctor says, you know, April, you don't have to, but you know how you feel when you don't. Um, you know how it feels to be sad and to feel like things are never going to get better. And I have good days and I have bad days. Um, I definitely have some days that I still lay in bed or days that I just cry for no reason. Um, my poor husband, he has a lot of days that I just tell him to go fuck himself and he, I don't know why. Um, some days he just says, what do you need me to do today? Do you want me to just hug you? Do you want me to get out of your face? Do you want me to go, like, wash the dishes, which is usually a good choice, by the way? Um, (laughs) So he he goes into this, and he's been very, very supportive. And for me, um, I tend to be very open about my depression, but like I said, not all of the the things specifically that I've gone through. Um, But I know that a lot of people go through that. And for me, I'm today, you know, today we're talking about transformations. I am a functioning person. I am a happy person most of the time. Um, I can deal with things. I can deal with what's going to get thrown at me. And I have people all the time say, you know, April, I can't imagine. I'm 35 years old. So to have lost both my parents um, fairly young. And, uh, you know, to say that I can get through that, that I can function. And, yeah, maybe I need a little bit of help with that sometimes. But I look back at who I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago, Everybody's different than they were 25 years ago. But, you know, to look back at how miserable I was and to know that I don't have to be there and that I'm not there today. I am not the same person, and I am a strong person, and I am I'm happy for the most part. <laughs> um, so that's my story. Thank you. That was April Shannon 3 on finding a way to swim after seeing him.
Thanks, April, for sharing your story. To everyone else, thank you for joining Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling event at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. If you'd like to join Tell Me More or help out in any way, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org, where you will find our online submission and contact forms, a schedule of upcoming shows, and more storyteller podcasts. To keep up with the most recent podcasts, you can subscribe to Tell Me More via RSS, iTunes, and Stitcher. If that's not enough, you can always follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Until next time, this is Deb Markham reminding you, a happy ending always depends on where the story ends. <laughs>